0: Well, I'm glad to be back. Uh, Last week, I had the opportunity. um, We were visiting my wife's family in Stephenville, which is where Julie and I met. And that was the church that was the first church that I ever served full-time in as a youth pastor and a college minister. And so it was good to be back there and uh, see uh, people who had been a part of that church for... You know, I mean, I started back there in 2000, that they were there and they're still there. And so that was good to see. The other thing that was a privilege was... Um, One of my former students from my Stephenville days um, plays professional baseball for the Boston Red Sox. Um, And so I've been watching him on TV all these years. And uh, because he was home visiting family, the pastor there decided to interview him for church that day. And so I got to reconnect with him and see him. And so uh, that was nice. Um, But I'll tell you one of the things that while I was there, I couldn't help but appreciate our sound and technology team. Because yeah, most, most yeah, well, all right, you can go to Clap Room now. But, but, yeah, I mean, I was there at that church from 2000 to 2007. So the sound system is still the same, It's just not operating as well as it used to for whatever reason. And I was like, gosh, like, all the music is muddled, and they were trying to do, you know, uh, high-energy music like we do here, but it just was like, it just wasn't clear, it just wasn't crisp, and I was like, oh, I missed my church, and like, and that, maybe that's something that it's easy to take for granted, but, but before I got here, people spent time and invested to, to have our sound, um, of, of a high quality, and, uh, and so I just want to appreciate them, and some of them aren't here this week, um, but, but the folks back there in the back, uh, what they do, the fact that you don't notice them is just an indication that they do a good job of what they do, and I appreciate them. I mean, it's great we got great music, but the fact that we can like tell, you can't tell over there. So, um, All right, so we're starting a new year, and for this year, it just seems appropriate to talk about vision, 2020 vision. All my life, I've heard the phrase 20-20 vision as a description of perfect eyesight. But I never understood what 20-20 vision meant. All I knew is that I didn't need glasses, I didn't need them to help me see or read, which meant that my eyesight and vision was good and I could boast about having 20-20 vision, although I didn't know if I had 20-20 vision or not. So now that we're in the year 2020, I decided to look up the meaning of 20-20 vision. Now, most of you probably already understand this, but I just learned that 2020 vision is a measurement of visual acuity. How about that? Yeah. Or, or basically, it's the, the quality of your vision while you're looking at a still image, and you also remain still um, at the same time. And I imagine most of you have taken a vision test where you stand at a distance and look at an eye chart and you try to identify letters or shapes of varying sizes. If you have 20-20 vision, that means that you can stand 20 feet away from that eye chart um, and, uh, and that you can read the lines all the way down to the, the, the line that's underlined in green. If you can stand 20 feet away, that means you have 20-20 vision. And that, that top line on 20-20 is an indication of your distance from the eye chart. And then the bottom line is like, okay, how far can you read things that are clear? If you can read letters below um, that green line, you actually have a vision that's better than 2020. Um, You might have 2015 or 2013. But that's only better in terms of identifying an object that is not moving while you're not moving. I learned this week that some people who've got like 2013 vision or 2010 vision, oftentimes they will struggle in sports where you're having a moving object come at you. So like if you've got 2010 vision, hitting a fastball may be a challenge. Um, I learned that. So so for reasons like that, 2020 vision has become what's considered ideal or just simply normal. And if I could say one more thing about this eye chart test, because some of you might be looking at it going, Hooray, I'm, I've got great vision. And some of you may be going, do I need to call the optometrist this week? Um, look, none of you are sitting 20 feet away, and the, the eye chart's all blown up, and so we can't tell what's going on there. I can say this, though. If you can't read that, that big E at the top, maybe you ought to consider um, uh, making an appointment this week. So uh, the year's 2020. And to start a new year, it's always a great time to talk about vision, not in terms of visual acuity, but in terms of moving forward into the future, the future that God has planned for you. Did you know that the human eye can focus on 50 objects per second? That your eye contributes to 85% of your total knowledge, and that as it's doing its work, about half of your brain is involved in the process of interpreting those images, you know, it's by no coincidence that God puts... He created, our, he created us with eyes in the front of our heads and not the back. Because God wants us to keep looking forward. And so to start off this new year, let's together look forward. Let's look toward what God is leading us as a church to do. Now vision, it's important to life. Because life is a journey and every journey has a destination where you're headed in life or or where you will end up. I love how Andy Stanley says it in his book, Visioneering. He says, everybody ends up somewhere in life. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. Vision is important to life's journey because vision, vision will determine the passion with which you live your life. See, life can be rather routine sometimes. And it's easy just to go through the motions of daily living without any real energy and excitement, without vision, the best life can be is just fine. How are things at work? Fine. How's how's your relationship or your marriage? It's fine. Without vision, the best case scenario is that you go through life with no real joy, no real satisfaction. It's just fine. Worst case scenario is you view life as pointless and meaningless, and from that lack of vision, people will turn to drugs or alcohol or even suicide. I read this week that in the past 10 years, the rate of suicide has gone up 33%. People say, what's the point? What's the meaning? Then you do that because for you, you're just like, what? There's no point to anything. See, vision is important because it provides you with passion, To work through the mundane, to dream and aspire and work towards something better, something wonderful, something meaningful. Because the truth is that things in this life, the things that are great and marvelous, they don't come quickly. They take time. They're the result of consistent effort over a long period of time. Without vision, the everydayness of life will wear you down. See, vision, it motivates the, the routine, the details, the daily duties, they become worthwhile when you have a vision, when you have a reason. If, if you've had the task of filling sacks of dirt, and that was your job, that's pretty mundane, it's pretty basic work, it's hard work, and if you're doing that all the time, it's like, gosh, what's the point of that? But if you knew that, there was, that the dam had broke, and water was flooding towards your house or your town, all of a sudden, that reason makes that work uh, very important. It motivates you. You'll fill sacks of dirt dirt all night long because now you have meaning, you have vision. Vision provides passion, it provides motivation, and it provides direction. Like a roadmap, it simplifies decision-making. Do I turn left or do I turn right? Well, that depends on where you want to go. Vision provides direction. It helps you distinguish between what's useful and what's unnecessary. In moving to our new home this year, past year, vision helped me make some decisions about some things that were useful but had become unnecessary for me. See, About 10 years ago, I roofed my own house. And I bought tools to roof my own house. Um, now I've moved into a new home. Into a new home, the pitch on that roof is different. The height of that roof is different. The age of my body is more. I moved those roofing tools, which are still useful. I moved them from one house to another house. Then I moved them from another house, and now to I had to make the choice. These things are useful. But in my present circumstance, they had become unnecessary. See, and I had a current vision. I have a vision of a garage that you can park a car in. That's not cluttered. That's, that I could find things when I need it. And useful tools that had become unnecessary, they worked against that vision. And they, so that helped me decide, you know what, I'm going to sell those tools for whatever I could get. So vision is important to life and you can see a qualitative difference in both people and organizations that have vision and those that don't. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? See, that's vision. The difference between a life that is filled with light or darkness, hope and passion or depression. When you look around and you hear people talk, doesn't it seem like depression seems to hold the hearts of a lot of people nowadays? More so than I remember. I think we've lost a vision. Now, vision is more than just having goals. It's about discovering purpose. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it's a great couple of verses about vision. And they read like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. A a race that is set before us is purpose. It is a God-given, God-ordained purpose. And the race that God has set before you is unique to you. Your race and my race are not the exact same race. But we both discover this race, this purpose, by looking to the same Jesus, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. He is the true source of vision. And when you find purpose and vision from Jesus, then it becomes all the easier to lay aside those things in life that weigh you down, those sins that tangle you up and complicate life. Have you ever noticed how unnecessarily complicated Sin will make our lives. Y'all remember when the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl many years ago? Remember when they won two Super Bowls in a row? I mean, that's that's difficult to do. That's special. And then after winning two Super Bowls in a row, completely unexpected, what happens? The winning coach quits. Like, why do you do that? Why, when you're at the top of the top and you can go on and do things and achieve things that nobody else has done. I really think that team back then in the 90s could have won four in a row. But for some reason, after winning two, Jimmy Johnson quits. Do you know the story of why Jimmy Johnson quit? Well, it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a good illustration of how sin complicates our lives. I was reading the story recently. Jerry Jones, after celebrating the big win, he was drinking. And so he comes around and he starts spouting off in kind of a drunken blather of stuff. And Jimmy Johnson's there with a friend. They've been drinking too, but not to the extent that Jerry had. And they're just like, ah, that's just Jerry being Jerry. He's been drinking. So they ignore him. Well, this infuriated jerry to be ignored jimmy johnson goes off for the evening jerry stays around keeps drinking starts mouthing off starts telling people ah any coach could have won with this team that's put together eventually word got back to jimmy johnson and he was so infuriated by that sort of thing that jimmy johnson was like fine you think any coach can do it go get you any coach Imagine what would have happened if for that coach and that team, what could have been if alcohol was not complicating things? What, what might have been if pride and ego was not complicating things? What, what might be different and better if sin was not complicating things? Now forget about the cowboys. They're just an illustration. What about you? What what could possibly be better in your life if sin wasn't complicating things? Are, Are there things that weigh you down? Are there things that have you tangled up? I mean, it could be fear or resentment. Maybe it's a substance. Maybe there's something you just can't seem to forgive and let go of, and it's just complicating your relationships. You said I could have good and healthy relationships with people, but I've got this pride, and I've got to be right. I've got to get the last word in. I've got to be the center of attention. It's just complicating things. You're tangled up in it, and it weighs you down, tangles you up, and it seems just too hard to let go of these things these things that actually prevent you from being happy and healthy. But when you have vision, when you have vision, when you know God's purpose for your life, then letting go becomes easier. You know what I've discovered over the years? By living a life where, the, where my sight is set on Jesus, by looking to Jesus, my... Um, my my sight has actually become better in life. Not my visual acuity, but but the way I see the world, the way I understand things. It's actually gotten better by fixing my eyes on Jesus. The more I look at Jesus, the more serious I take my relationship with Him to be as I've grown from being a casual Christian, one who used to just follow Jesus occasionally, to grow as a disciple. The more I look to Jesus and I look into the Word of God, the clearer life has become. For one, I see myself better. Through Jesus, I have been better equipped, I'm better able to understand myself, to understand the things that that I had in my life that were making my own life complicated. Um, Things like my own insecurity, my own anger, and, and, and the better that I've been able to understand myself, the better I've been able to see and understand the world around me. The difference that Jesus has made in my life is like the difference between seeing the world and one of those old um, tube televisions and having a high-definition television screen. The yummy! Some of y'all young folks, y'all have no idea what watching TV on one of those is like. And you had to... You had these antennas and you couldn't see the, the, the screen unless you grabbed the antenna and then it would become clear and then you let go and go sit down and it's fuzzy again. You will remember. That's the difference that Jesus has made in my life. The best vision that I can offer you for your life is a life that finds its purpose, its passion, its direction, It's clarity and redemption in Jesus. What if in this new year, you decide that Jesus is not going to be casual for you, not just in every now and again part of life, that that Jesus is going to become like what's in your vision, your goal, following him, letting him determine your passions and your direction. What if you decided that this year you were going to be an all-in disciple? What if this year you decided to upgrade your view of yourself and to upgrade your view of this world from that old grainy pixelated tube vision that you've lived with to an ultra high-def Jesus vision? What if life could be better than depressed? And more than just fine. What if passion, purpose, and direction were a part of your everyday? That seems like a great vision for each and every one of you in 2020. And that's how you find it. You set your eyes on saying, you know what? I'm going to follow this Jesus as a disciple. I'm going to learn from him. I'm going to let him change me, mold me, direct me. Purpose. Passion, clarity. They'll happen. So now that I've told you where to begin discovering God's vision for your life, let me talk a little bit about vision for us together as a church. You know, they say hindsight is 2020. Because looking back, you can clearly succeed, you can you can clearly see success and your mistakes. You can look at the past and think, Oh, if only I knew then what I know now, I would have made different choices. Each and every Monday during the NFL season, armchair quarterbacks across the country, they look back at the games that were played the day before. And with their 2020 hindsight vision, they analyze and critique. And then with that crystal clear hindsight They show forth their football genius and say, if only the quarterback would have thrown to this guy instead of that guy, they would have scored a touchdown and we would have won. Because hindsight's 20-20. With hindsight, you can see clearly where your opportunities were, where your mistakes occurred. You can see the moments where you should have stopped, should have started, should have took hold of something, should have let go. You know what always frustrates me? When people use hindsight to criticize others, as though others were stupid because they did not know what you now know clearly because it's in the past. When you look, hindsight might be twenty-twenty, but it's not meant for criticism. It's meant to learn from so that you can grow and move forward. So when you look back on your life, what lessons are there for you to learn from? Looking back, can you see areas where, where God may want you to grow in in this coming year? Looking back on the history of this church, a little hindsight, I see a church that was founded back in the year 1850, making this the oldest standing church in all of Collin County. The church was originally a little Baptist church set on the, out in the country on a cattle trail. And for most of this church's history... It it was a small country church. But over time, the city grew up all around it. God knew. He knew the people that would live here in this area today. He knew what those people would need in order to hear and respond and grow in the gospel of Jesus. And God, in His wisdom, set this church in this place for His purposes. I became pastor here just a little over two years ago. And before that, the church went for, they went without a pastor for 18 months. And a lot of people that were part of the church disconnected. Because up here in this area, there's so many churches, people got options. They left. In 2018, with hindsight, I could look back and say, I could sum up the vision for the church as rescue and restore. See, when I arrived, the church was pretty much on life support. When I first came, I had no idea how critical things had, had gotten. Um, so uh, when I moved here, I came from a larger church in a smaller community. And people there, they didn't understand, why would you be going to a smaller church in a larger community? And so to help them understand, I would tell them, this church, this Willow Bend church, it's like a nice classic car that just needs to be restored. And then it'll be a nice ride that brings glory to God. It is just fun and good. And, and, uh, and that's what I would say. Well, after just being here at the church for a few weeks, my analogy changed a little bit. And I was like, it's still like a nice classic car, but, but it's one that I've got the hood open and I'm like, hmm, how do I get this started again? Four months into being pastor here, my analogy changed dramatically. It went from being a classic car to a plane going down. And I was up there pulling on the control stick saying, Somebody pull with me, you know. There was a lot of prayers in 2018. But looking back, hindsight's 2020, and I can also see the hand of God piloting his church. Those first few months, they had real tangible problems. Like not enough money to pay the bills and not enough money to fix large things that were breaking like air conditions. And air condition in Texas is kind of important. But God provided. Like He did for Elijah when He fed him with the ravens. I remember in that first year, we would get checks. Checks written to the church we did not expect. Mr. Gibson, who I hadn't seen in years, but I had his children in my youth ministry many years ago. For some reason, he looks me up, finds that i have now at a church in Plano, and he starts to write a tithe check. It helped us keep the doors open, fix things. My first year here was full of unexpected things that can only be attributed to God providing for His church. Now, this is significant because did you know that on average about 5,000 churches close their doors never to open again every year? Now, before you get all doom and gloom here, we're also planting a lot of churches all the time, but, but God lets churches die. But He provides here because God has a purpose and a plan for this place for us as a people. And he put us here back in 1850. And he knew exactly what was going to be going on. Hindsight tells me God's got a purpose and a plan for this place, for this church, and for you. God knew that in this modern age of megachurches that he needed a place that people could come and see authentic faith being lived out. See, because... It's really hard to see faith being lived out when you are a hundred rows back in the auditorium. Because there it just looks like a show. But you know what here? The show can't get so big. I think that's part of what God has meant us to be. And I and I meet people that they come in here and they like, this is not what I expected. This is different. It's because here people can get up close and see that there is real believers in Jesus, not perfect, but real. And I see that as very important for what's ahead for this church in 2020. Now, 2019, I would say that looking back in hindsight that the vision for the church could be summed up as rebuild and reset, There was a rebuilding work to be done, such as fixing and replacing walls, damaged by floods, putting insulation in the administration building. For decades, the church paid utility bills heating and cooling a building that had no insulation. We had to do something about that. There there was the work of beginning to rebuild a children's ministry and a youth ministry. We also spent time resetting previous contracts the church was involved in, like overpaying for a copy machine. Um, And the big one was selling a a cell phone tower, a lease that we had, and that allowed the church to become debt-free. Resetting. So now, moving into 2020, the vision is no longer rescue. The vision is... uh, really no longer reset. There's still the work of rebuilding that needs to be done. But I think the vision for Willow Bend Church in 2020 would be this word. Represent. Or rather, re-present. See, the church has a mission that God has given to us by God. And that is to make disciples who know and follow Jesus. Jesus. But in this area of Texas, a lot of people, they they think they know. They think they understand what God is about, what Christianity is about, what church is supposed to be for. And, And because they think they know what church and religion is about, they say, I don't need that. They understand what it's about. But their understanding of God and of the gospel, it's inadequate. They think they know, but they don't. And what little they do know... Or rather, assume they don't want anything to do with it. But they still, there's still a God sized hole in everybody's life. There's still a hunger for God. And so, even though they'll put up excuses, there's still something that's gonna draw them. And, and we don't just need to represent Jesus to them, we need to re present Jesus to people who've never heard. The full gospel to begin with, but they think they have. They're done with churches, they knew it, but they're not done with God. And here is a place of imperfect, authentic, real followers of Jesus that they could come and say, ah, this is there's more than a show. This is not what I assumed. And we have opportunity to represent Jesus. And here we are small enough that people can get up close and look at the difference that Jesus can make in people's lives. Because again, it's hard to see that when you're 50 rows back. It just looks like a big show, but here the show can't be big. And that's why God keeps using this church. We are purposed by God to show people what real followers of Jesus are like, mistakes and all. We can represent as we represent. We have a place that people can come in and recover big part of what we do here and listen i'm not saying that there's not real followers of jesus at big mega churches all i'm saying is that the bigger things are the harder it is to see the details but people need to see that today and god planted this church here in this place 170 years ago because he needed people like us to represent him and represent him so this year we need to continue to focus on rebuilding a children and youth ministry for the purpose of representing and representing Jesus to people. We're also we're, we're working toward a mission trip to Ireland this summer, a place that desperately needs Jesus to be represented and represented there. I'm going to tell you more about that next week. Awesome, next week, you want to be here because Chris Burr is going to share about his most recent mission trip representing Jesus in another place. And I'll let him fill in blanks there. But y'all want to be here next week. <laughs> I've been working with a, uh, a cheerleading camp for little girls. So one week this summer, we're going to have a cheer camp for little girls, an opportunity to connect with children and families and represent and represent Jesus there. And we're just getting started. I, I invite you, to begin to dream, to vision how you can represent and represent Jesus to people. One of the things that's going to be very important in that is groups, really no bigger than 12 people, that center around God's Word, that'll give more people opportunities to look closely at what real faith looks like in imperfect people. You can be a part of that. I invite you to see the opportunity that God is laying before us when new people come into this church. This is the vision that God has given me as a pastor for 2020. Represent. Represent. Because we are important in what God wants to do. You are important in what God wants to do.